this is Project Risecast, the first podcast for Project Rise. And uh, well, I have here in the studio, uh, not only myself, Josh Dobson, uh, but also my wife, Connie Dobson. Uh, she serves as the uh, personal ministries leader at her local church. Uh, I serve as the communications director. So uh, from a standpoint of having a podcast, uh, we make a pretty good team, uh, especially a podcast geared toward evangelism. Uh, so uh, on to uh, our subject here. Uh, Connie, uh, what is Project Rise? Okay. Um, Project Rise is... Um, if. RISE is actually an acronym, um, which is Reaching Individuals Through Servant Evangelism. Um, It was an idea that was given to me um, by the Lord um, when we still lived in Wisconsin three years ago. And um, it's funny, I know it's from the Lord because when he gave me the acronym and what the acronym stood for, I was like, what is servant evangelism? I had never even heard of that before. Obviously, I'd heard of evangelism before, but servant evangelism was something that was new to me. It wasn't something that was um, in our repertoire at our church. So I actually had to go to the internet and I Googled it and I Googled what is servant evangelism. And basically, just to kind of break it down into layman's terms, servant evangelism is... um, average normal everyday people doing average normal everyday things um just ordinary people doing ordinary things but in the name of an extraordinary god um and so that's just kind of the antithesis right word sure we can roll up (laughs) it's it's basically just the um that that's what project rise is it's just ordinary people doing ordinary things in the name of an extraordinary god um, on our shirts, we put um, the Project Rise logo on the front on the back. It says, um, being the hands and feet of Jesus is, is what it is. We're called to, to go out and, and to do his, his work. Now, I know uh, when this was all started because obviously I was also involved. Uh, but uh, take me back to 2013 when you started. What was kind of the project that kicked the whole thing off? Um, I'll, I'll actually backtrack a little bit. Um, a very, my best friend, Rachel, um, was a part of another church, um, the Nazarene church in Racine, the, the city that we lived in. Their church was actually doing an outreach called Serve Racine, um, which was, our church really wasn't doing much for outreach. Um, we would do things here and there. It was very sporadic. Um, but when I heard the the idea behind server scene and going out into the community and um, building friendships through, you know, you, you open that door by doing something for someone else. You meet their needs where they're at. Um, small things done for others in, in great love. And so you take just that love of Jesus out into your community, um, which builds trust. It builds bridges within our community. Um, and then when people begin to trust you, then you can open up the truth to them. Um, grace is kind of that bridge between that. And um, I love what they say about um, truth without grace is prison, but grace without truth um, is chaos. And so it's just this balance between truth and grace. So uh, the, the Nazarene church went out 
and they were doing these projects and I came back to our church and I was like, I really think it would be great to join them in these projects. It wasn't just about doing outreach. It was about um, going out with other churches in our community and building relationships, not just within our community, but within other churches, um, because we all serve the same God. Um, we all serve Jesus. And so um, we found out that we had a, um, a community center that our church used for potlucks and um, for other activities. And right next door to our community center, there was an elderly couple that um, the wife had recently had a stroke. The husband um, was basically, he was like in, in an invalid state um, and their yard was becoming overgrown um, and they really needed a lot of help like with their yard work and just kind of just basic stuff. Um, and so when we, it was actually a, a woman in our church that brought it to our attention. And so we came to the idea of, great, we're going to go out this same weekend that another church is going out into the city of Racine. We're going to help a, a family that's um, within the borders of our, our um, church property. So we went over there on Sunday morning and we um, did landscaping. We cut trees. We trimmed trees for them. We weeded out all their property. We actually um, planted some nice, beautiful shrubs that were going to flower. And then we also gave them a little plaque um, that had Bible verses on it. And we brought them a meal. Um, and we just we just reached out to them and just said, you know, we're in your neighbors and we care about you and we want to do whatever we can to help you. And so that was basically the initial project, that launch Project Rise. Now, is this something that is can only happen within your church or is this something that can spread? Um, project Rise is, I mean, it's, it's basically going back to what um, Jesus called the the original church to do. Um, the original disciples were were told to go out and make fishers of men. They were told to go out and just do the work, and and that's the that's the basis of Project Rise. I mean, it's lay people going out and just doing what God has called us to do. Matthew twenty five is the perfect um, example of that when. When Jesus says, you know, he's talking about the um, the sheep and the goats, and he has them in two different groups. And he says to the sheep, when I was naked, you clothed me. Um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Um, when I was alone, you comforted me. And the disciples said, you know, back to him, Lord, when did we do this? And he said, you know, when you did this to the least of these, you did this for me. And so it's just going back to what our Bible says and the truth about what we are called to do. Um, and we're called to go out. And um, it, it's like what I've described before. There's, It's a double-sided coin. If you could imagine um, a coin, one side is evangelism. That's the point of um, bringing people to Jesus. Um, it's the, the pre-conversion stage. And then once they are converted, it's making them... Um, disciples. It's bringing them into that servanthood. It's teaching them about, okay, now that you know who Jesus is, this is what he teaches. And so teaching them and equipping them with the tools to go out and do the, do this, to do the same thing. And so that's the, that's the crux of Project Rise, is going out, doing the work, um, building trust with these people, teaching them about Jesus while meeting their needs, meeting them where they're at right now, 
um, then Christ brings them into the fold. It's not our job to convert them. You know, it's, if, if you can imagine us as fishers, it's not our job to clean the fish. The Holy Spirit does that. Jesus does that. So once we bring them, once we help the Lord to bring them back into the fold, then we teach them, we give them the tools that they need to go out and to continue to the prophet, the process, um, and going out and, and just spreading the gospel and spreading that love that only the Lord can share with people. Now, if I'm hearing you correctly, it, it kind of sounds like you don't need to be a pastor to launch this. This Absolutely sounds not. like a lay member driven project. Um, w- would that be accurate for when you moved down to Georgia? I mean, you know, were, were you under operating under any leadership capacity at that point? No. The only thing that I was in Racine was a uh, youth Sabbath school teacher. That's that's all it was. And when I see, um, and that's my that's my passion too. Is um, and, and they go so well together. It's a beautiful relationship when you look at youth leaving our church in droves, um, and then you look at evangelism, and they go hand in hand because when you look at the youth of today, especially millennials, they want to have that. I mean, like I I don't mean to quote Rick Warren, but that purpose-driven life. They want purpose in life. They want to know that they're making a difference. They want to feel that they're doing something in the world, that they, they're they making a difference, that they can see that they're making an impact. And so I think that's kind of that God-shaped hole inside in each and every single one of us. God has called each and every single one of us to do it. It's whether or not we're going to, and this is going to be another podcast, rise up and do it. Are we going to rise up and do what God has called us to do. It's called a co-mission. We're supposed to go out with him. It's supposed to be a partnership with Jesus. And he he can totally do it alone, but he doesn't want to. He invites us to do it. And so it's it's an honor to be called to do it. Um, anyone can do it. All you need to have is a relationship with Jesus. That's all you need. You don't need any kind of special training. All you need is a relationship with Jesus and your testimony can witness in ways that you could never imagine. And you, you just need to just surrender your life to the Lord, call upon the Holy Spirit. It, the Holy Spirit will baptize you anew, will create in you a clean heart that you can go out and do the work. Very good. Now, do you have any advice for churches out there that would typically wait for their conferences or whatever to come out with some sort of initiative? You know, Churches don't have to wait for that to go out and, in essence, what you just said, rise up and go out and do the Great Commission, to get up, to go out. You know, do you have any advice for, you know, those churches that may not have been very active in in evangelism? You know, how easy of a process is it to arrange something? I mean, do you have any examples of, of things outside the box? You know, you don't have to necessarily go through and start an evangelistic campaign. You don't have to have a revelation seminar. You know, what things can you do that would fall under what you would say is servant evangelism? Um, well, I'll start by saying, and I'll get to the example in just a second. Um, the most important thing to do is you need to start it out in prayer. Um, you need to open it up to prayer. You need to open up to the Holy Spirit to work inside of your church um, to make sure that you are doing things that God is leading you to do and impressing you to do, and it's not your own ideas. Um, 
that leads into you need to know your community get out into your community and find out what your community's needs are for instance gainesville is a great example of that half of our population here in gainesville is hispanic so when we go out um, we need to have literature that is both english-based and spanish-based you need to know the demographics of your community you need to know what the needs are you could have an idea of what the needs are um, and the needs could be completely different. And so you could be putting all your resources and all your eggs into one basket and you're not even, it's going to go to waste. And that's why, first of all, you put it in the Lord's hands and you allow it, you allow him to speak to you in what direction you're to go to. <clears throat> and then you also um, just look at the demographics of your community, what your community's needs are. Go out and, and just ask people, you know, go door to door, find out what's going on, open up your newspaper. Um, look at online as to what's going on in community. Maybe a house just burned down not too far from your church. Maybe, um, you know, for, for instance, we have um, the Queen City Bridge here in Gainesville where um, a lot of our homeless stayed. And so when they were still there, um, we just went out to the homeless community and we had Chef Anthony. Uh, we are very blessed inside of our church that we have a chef. He is. Um, he went to uh, culinary school. He's he's trained, and he made the most delicious soups ever. And it made a huge impact with the homeless community because it wasn't just Campbell's soup. It wasn't just dollar cans of soup. This was homemade, um, very good, very nutritious soup. And they can tell the difference. You know, when you give a homeless person food, and they can sh they can tell that you put a lot of effort into it. It means something. And so it opened up doors for us to be able to share with them under the bridge. It was cold, but you could feel the warmth of the Lord. Like we went there, we brought our, we brought the soup, we brought water, and then we stayed there for a good two hours and just shared with the homeless people. We sang songs. Um, they told us what some of their needs were, and we were able to just, you know, meet those needs. It was hats and gloves and scarves. It was actually really, really simple stuff. Um, so it's just get out into your community and find out <clears throat> your community knows what your community needs. And so it's just getting out there and just asking people and opening yourself up and being vulnerable. It's important to be vulnerable. Um, and just, you know, the, the important thing you have to ask yourself is, if your church were to close its doors, would your community even know that you weren't open anymore? And so if your, if your church is meeting your community's needs, they will feel it if your doors were to close. And so you need to ask yourself if, if our doors were not to open anymore, how would that affect our community? Because when I look at some churches, I don't know that the community would even notice if their doors didn't open again. And that's really sad to me because um, we're so inward focused. We're so focused on keeping um, our own church members happy that we've completely lost what it means to be a disciple for Jesus and going out and meeting people where they're at um, and just meeting their needs like he did. You know, it, it talks about in the Bible that Jesus was moved with compassion. And that's important. He didn't just stand still. He just, he didn't just meet the needs. He went out to where people were and it, it he couldn't even, it, you know, when you, when you look at how it's written, he was compelled to do something. He could not just stand back and watch. He had to do something. Um, and, 
we should have that same burden on our hearts. You know, we need to stop just looking at people. We need to see people. We need to see that they're hurting. We need to see what their needs are. And it's our call to meet those needs and not only to meet those needs, but to inform them that it's not us even meeting their needs. It's, it's our savior. It's our savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and he's just using us. We're just vessels that he's using. Yeah, you know, going back to, you know, if the door shut, would the community even feel an impact? That can be a very sobering reality for a church. But I think knowing that helps get you in the right mindset of we need to take action. We need to be out there. We need to be evangelizing within our own communities because that's, in essence, what we're put here for. So I think the the thought is is it's not too late it's never too late but we need to get out there right now through the couple you know projects that you guys have done you know small churches have small budgets you know have have you seen the need to have a lot of money up front in order to get some of these things kicked off no in fact if you come forward and you tell your church you know, there, there's this, like, let's say at Christmas time, um, we, we actually don't even use conference evangelism funds except for meals for these families. Um, we'll actually just approach the church body at large during a church service and say, you know, we would like to bless these families with gifts during Christmas, gifts that they can't afford. Um, we we uh, look at the prison ministries, and there are, are families out there that the husband or the wife is in prison. And the wife or husband with children are, are left out and left to fend for themselves. And a lot of times they can't afford it. Usually it's a woman with children. Her husband was the breadwinner. And now she's forced to be play the single mom until dad gets out of prison. And so what we have done is just opened it up to our church. We've uh, just passed out slips of each child's name and, and what they asked for for Christmas and just filling a need that way, just allowing church members to just open up their pocketbooks and do it on their own. It's not anything that's forced on them. It's completely voluntary, but it's amazing when how people are so generous. Like it's they're incredibly generous um, because they want to make a difference. They want to be able to do something They, you know, I think those of us that are in the church want to see that tangible evidence just as much as those people are outside the church. Um, they want to see God working. And so um, if you just give people the opportunity to give, they will. They will. And God will make a way. Um, he always does. And so even if you're... Another way to do it is that if your church doesn't have the budget to um, to go out and, and and spend money like other churches do on doing evangelism and doing, you know... Um, uh, a revelation series or, or whatever, or some big compassion project, partner with churches that are near you and find out, you know, what you can do together. Um, I think that's probably one of the saddest things inside the Adventist church is how there's, we're so segregated. We don't really work together. We're, we're looking at each other as kind of, you know, rivals and it's not supposed to be that it's, we're brothers and sisters of, 
of the same Lord that we serve. And so we need to come together. And so there may be a church that's in your community that actually has the budget to do it. Maybe you have the manpower, you've got the, the time um, and, and come together, come together for the same purpose of just doing what God has called us to do. Um, there's lots of different ways. Money doesn't, don't let money get in the way. Um, because, you know, I've seen churches pray for financial needs to be met so that they can reach their community and those needs are met. People will all of a sudden just make a donation because they felt compelled. They felt the Lord tell them. Um, one of the instances in that is just recently we did um, a literature evangelism outreach. Um, a group called Sound the Alarm Missionaries came from Colorado, California, Florida, Texas. People came from all over Tennessee. They all came here and we were worried about, you know, we were getting close to the end of the year and our conference evangelism funds were running out and we could only use so much of it to buy books. And so we were able to buy The Great Controversy and Steps to Christ. Um, and they were worried about <clears throat> who was going to buy more books. And so we prayed about it. We prayed about it. We prayed about it. And uh, an anonymous donor came forward and bought 11,000 books for this project. Wow. So it's, you know, you don't count the Lord out. I mean, he, he will do amazing things. If your heart is in the right place, that's what matters. He knows what's in your heart and he knows what your church wants to do. And if your willingness is there, he will make a way. Um, and that's why prayer is one of the most important things in that step is just opening up to the Lord. And if it's his will, he'll make a way. If it's not, he'll, he'll, he'll close that door and he'll open another one. Now, as we uh, close up here, I've got one final question. Is I, I can see in your face you are very passionate about this, and that's just something that you can't relay through microphone recordings. But, you know, in order to go through this, I mean, you have to be this enormous extroverted person that has all of this energy. <laughs> you know, how, how do you get things done? I mean, are, are, are you just, you know, up there beaming with enthusiasm you know is it your personality that drives things into this you know what you know like i said you you, you just have to be this extroverted outgoing person absolutely not <laughs> um you know josh that i'm i'm very introverted i'm i'm i go to church on sabbath and there's so much stimulation that i go through so many people that i have to talk to I don't mean to say have to, but I mean that I do end up talking with that when I come home, I just want to be alone. Um, I just kind of crash. Um, and so that's my personality. My personality is I don't like big events. I don't like being around a lot of people. I like being around my very small circle. I like my comfort zones. But that is one thing about Jesus is he takes me out of my comfort zone and he gives me this boldness that I have never had before in my life. Um, I gave my first sermon last year and it was talking about project rise and it's just i have such a relationship with him that and i'm working on it it's it's a work in progress because there's days that i struggle and i don't do the things i'm supposed to do i don't you know always read my bible like i'm supposed to i'm not doing my devotions and i notice it i, I struggle those days but when I draw close to him, he just gives me this boldness that I've never known before in my life. There's things that he enables me to do that I've never been able to do. I mean, you know as well as I do that I could go up front and do announcements 
and I shake. Um, I have to go up there and do prayer. You know, whenever I'm on the platform, I shake and I just, but when I talk about doing evangelism, when I talk about doing outreach, I'm, he just gives me this passion for it. I mean, it's, it's something that I really cannot explain except Christ living in me. And I praise the Lord for that because that's nothing that I am doing. That's not anything that's of me. It's something that's completely not of me. And that's how I know that the Lord is working. Um, and it's the same thing with going out and doing these outreach projects. It's very difficult for me to just approach strangers and just talk to them. But um, a really great example is when Sound the Alarm missionaries were here and we went out and we were handing out books. And I, if you know anyone who knows me, um, I'm not real comfortable with literature evangelism. I'm not real comfortable with passing out books. I'm kind of that person that's like, hey, do you, you know, do you have any prayer requests? Can I pray with you right now? Um, I love to pray with people. But passing out books is a vulnerability to me. Um, but he makes it so easy. And when you pray for him to put people in your path, he does it every time he answers those prayers. And so um, the, the coolest thing was when we were here in Gainesville and we were passing out the books. We were passing out um, National Sunday Law, Great Controversy and Steps of Christ, both English and Spanish. And people were taking the books. And as we, we were walking through the parks in Gainesville, you walk one way and then you walk back out the same way. And as we were walking out, people were reading the books. Um, and that's something I've never seen before. Usually when you pass out books, you'll pass a garbage can and there's like a stack of them in there. But people were sitting down on the park benches reading these books. And that was just like, all I could do was just look up and say, you're so good, Lord. You know what I mean? You're just, you're so faithful. Even when I'm not, sometimes you're faithful. And so it, you just have to trust him. You just have to trust that he's going to give you, he's going to equip you. Like I love the saying, he does, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so when he calls you, he qualifies you. He gives you experiences or he brings experiences to light and to pass so that you, you're relevant to another person. You know, when we're doing really well in life, we're not relevant to other people. But when we're struggling and we're going through trials and tribulations, that's when people kind of see our vulnerability and they open up and they say, wow, that person believes in the Lord, but they're still going through struggles. And I, you know, it helps people to know that it rains on the good and the evil. Um, God does not... <laughs> you know, pick and choose. He's, he doesn't show favoritism. It, it rains on the good and the bad. And so that vulnerability of, of your going through struggles helps to make us relatable to other people. Um, it helps to level that playing field. And so once again, it just goes back to your own experiences. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't feel that fire inside of your heart to go out and to do this work, then it starts with you. And it starts with going back to the basics and, you know, getting a very active prayer life going and, and learning <clears throat> what it is to pray and to acknowledge the Lord that we serve, the God that we serve, our Heavenly Father, um, and asking him, you know, repenting for, for, a, for being discouraged and for not pressing the issue of wanting to have a closer relationship with him. And then just asking him, 
you know, Lord, just help me, help me to grow closer to you, help me to find ways to um, instill that, that strong bond again, that I so long to have with you. And once you have that again, and once you are surrendering your life to him and, and rededicating your life and opening up your Bible again and filling your life with truth, there is no more room for doubt. There is no more room for you to to be discouraged and to think, I can't do that, I can't do that, because the Lord says, yes, you can. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 4.13 is, is one of the most powerful verses for me because there's times when Satan tells me, you can't do that, that's not your personality, and the Lord says, oh, no, no, no. Yes, you can. You can do that through me. And in my weakness, he is, his strength is made perfect. And so it's a testimony to who our God is because there's things that we think or we've been told that we can't do that he makes possible. Well, thank you for your comments there, Connie. I, I know that, uh, you know, we have been talking about doing some sort of a podcast now for probably a couple of months and just haven't had time to uh, sit down and do it. And joking ahead of time, you know, she, she you know, kind of looked over and said, you know, we, we should probably have some of this stuff pre-planned out because as soon as the microphone's on, I, I'll just clam up and not say anything. So, you know, you've gone right now for about 29 minutes just speaking about, you know, what what Jesus has done in your life. And, and I think that that is a true testament because I know how much of an introvert you are. You know, this is probably as close as you'll get to being on the radio without being on the radio. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, you, and everyone can't see what's, what's going on here over the recording, but you know, it's, it's set up like a, like a radio studio and, you know, we've got, you know, two microphones, one in front of each of us. So, um, you know, as we wrap up this first podcast, you know, we've had, you know, our plan is to go through everyday life scenarios. You know, it's not going to be just limited to what projects we're doing at this specific moment. But, you know, going through and, and giving real life examples of things that are, are that are going on that, you know, everybody can relate to, um, you know, not just limited to church stuff. But, uh, you know, we, we just hope that, uh, you know, as, as, as people have gotten to know us but have not had the time to actually sit down and know what we're all about, you know, maybe we can shed some light onto what the Dobsons do in our in our free time and, you know, how we try to battle having full-time jobs, full-time parenting duties, full-time church ministry duties, and how by the grace of God, we come through without going insane. Amen. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the nice thing too is that everything we have here is portable. So as we take vacations or you know go to other churches, we can easily take, as they say, the show on the road. Um, you know, we definitely, um, you know, I was blessed over the last year to be employed by the Southern Union, and I have gotten a lot of contacts. Both Connie and I have, have gotten to know some terrific pastors out there that just have a heart of gold for evangelism. And, you know, some shine, and some, for some reasons, the church won't let them shine on that. But, uh, you know, we, we hope that we can, instead of sticking with just our little church in Gainesville, take this to a, to a, a broader level where we can start unifying with other, other pastors out there, other churches, 
but most of all other laymen because this this whole effort is 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 nothing unless you can get the church behind you um you know just like in a in a corporate environment top down type of management or communication never works as good as organic growth within a church so um you know the frequency of these podcasts might not be you know it'll it'll be as we have some time to sit down and actually do these but uh you know we're hoping to get maybe you know at least a couple a month i would think to start and uh you know if if it if it grows and and gains some interest and we, we maybe we'll make this a weekly thing um but uh yeah, that's our first podcast for our project, our actually our project Risecast. And uh, any any closing remarks, Connie? Um, I, I guess the only thing that I can close with is that, um, you know, we we read our Bibles and we read in the Book of Revelation um, the prophecies that are there. And if if you look around you, um, I know in, in in my little world, I just see things kind of unfolding and. I really wonder how much time we have left, but it's it's an exciting time because we could be that final generation that spreads the gospel to the entire world. This could be the generation that, that does it. Um, it could be in this generation that three angels' message goes out throughout the world and every single person has a chance to either accept or deny Jesus. Um, and so... One day we're going to come to a point where we're not even going to be able to worship in our churches anymore. So anymore. So it's very important for each and every single one of us um, to realize that we are just all called to this amazing purpose. Um, and and once again, it, it just falls back on it all depends on how serious you take your relationship with Jesus. If you take your relationship with Jesus um, very seriously and it's everything to you, then then it's it's our duty to go out and do this. It's our it's we should be humbled um, to go out and do it. And that's where it starts is just humbling ourselves and and just going out and, and doing this great work until he comes and it will hasten his coming and and we'll all be together and not have to worry about separation anymore and 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 not have to be, you know, We'll not have to hurt anymore. We won't have to have death anymore. It's just, it's an exciting time. And I just pray that each and every single one of us um, take hold of that, not be full of fear, but to go out in boldness um, with the Lord at our side. Amen. Well, you know, as cliche as it's going to sound, uh, we are in the ATL. <laughs> and uh, I think the whole mantra here is to uh, everybody rise up and get out. So uh, with that, We will end our first podcast and uh, look forward to uh, podcast number two, uh, hopefully coming up soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening.